Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Go Cofield and Company on this Wednesday. I guess it feels like a Tuesday because there was no Monday this week. It was a holiday, a nice short week here in Las Vegas. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez here with you for the next three hours on the program. And Willie, no Steve Cofield today, uh, but but uh, lots to talk about. And man, we have some real breaking news up on the top. But first of all, just how you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Just just came. As you know, the perfect gym. Sure. Hey, uh, you, you're, I mean, you're somewhat of a gym rat, but if you were going to go into the gym, you see what I, I mean? I'm just wearing some, just, I got, it's hoodie, hoodie weather for me, sure. obviously. Got the dog mentality hoodie on, but. Uh, like Denzel Perriman, it's always hoodie season. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, however, was throwing up 380 plus pound squats in a Balenciaga hoodie. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, first of all, you should say Jordan is your son. Uh, I feel like, listen, I I don't know how much those cost. I have a feeling how much they cost. There's no way I would work out in them. I, that's what I asked him. I said, dude, uh, what what's the deal? I understand sometimes you wear your swag down here for consultations and to train your clients, but uh, you're throwing up uh, near 400 pounds here in a, in a workout <laughs> in a six, seven, eight dollars $800 hoodie. He was like, it was a gift. I said, oh, okay. I, I don't care. I would first of all, I would trade it in. I would, I would return it, try get to get the, some get cash, the credit, or some credit, and, and get get like uh, seventeen outfits. But if I did have it, there's no way I would be using it to yeah, work out. And of course, uh, and Jim Rat is a ridiculous statement, of course. Uh, but there are some really interesting things going on in the sports world right now. It's the three on Cofield and Company. We start. We already mentioned your son. We will get into. Somebody else who was close with you, Willie, Julian Strother. Another gym rat. He is a gym rat, and he will continue to be a college gym, gym rat. rat. Yeah. Returning to Gonzaga Ooh. out of the NBA draft, he will be back in college next year. Gonzaga already looked like potentially a number one team. Julian Strother would be expected to have a massive breakout season with the way the roster plays out. He's been there a couple of years, um, most likely setting the stage for bigger and better things in next year's draft uh, after to this process, but big news for a local high school standout, former local high school standout. Yeah, he and he, you know, he he declared, as did everybody, you know, the at the time, and he went through the process, and and as we talked about on the show when when that happened, it was something somewhat of a, you know, you got to go through the process, you you have every intention of of going going all the way through it and following through with it, and then you feel things out up to this point. Today's the, at 11.59 Eastern tonight is when the deadline is that they can either stay declared for the draft or say that they're going back to college. And, you know, from my understanding, the reports are that, you know, Julian was anywhere from 40 to 50. A couple of teams were interested, peaking between 32 and 35. But, you know, when you can go back to college, um, he he always had plans somewhat to honor his mom and 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 um, to finish school, even if he went to the NBA and and to get his degree. But he figured, you know, to to increase his stock, 
to go back to a, to a program that's obviously still growing, still, still climbing and, and one of the top in the country and continue to further his education and just get better overall and raise his stock level, it, it behooved him to go back. And I would imagine this is something that I've never really crossed the line when it comes to sort of intruding on my friendship with his father. We go back a long way and, and using my role as a media, you know, to get information. We, if we talk, it's, it's, it's homies talking. You know, he knows that it's not like I'm, I'm going to turn around and break something. But I, this is one thing I've never asked him because I don't want to put him in that position. But I have to imagine that the way NILs work, that he's probably going to be considering he's going to be, you know, a top player at a top school. I would have to imagine he's going to be well taken care of to get him through next season in, in some in, in something that would be considerable to what a 40 to 50 round draft pick might, you know or 40 or 50 pick in the second round would, would get anyway. So good for him, good for Gonzaga, and good for the family, and look forward to seeing this time next year where Julian plays out. For sure, and we're still, of course, waiting on word from Donovan Williams. I'm actually uh, scrolling through Twitter right now to see if I have any updates, check my phone for any text messages, don't know yet. Uh, on Donovan Williams from UNLV, as you mentioned, just a couple of hours left. Some other decisions were made. Uh, around the country and the Mountain West Conference, David Roddy will stay in the NBA draft, so will not come back to Colorado State. That yeah. is interesting for the league. Man, open up. If uh, Donovan Williams comes back, UNLV could take a big step forward. And, and sadly for me, a couple of Michigan stars, Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, are in the draft. They will not come back to Michigan. That sucks. I can't remember who tweeted it, and I thought maybe I retweeted it. Maybe it was someone that we – I can't remember who the heck tweeted it, but did somebody <laughs> say source that – um, Donovan Williams, who it was a it was sourced. It wasn't confirmed that he was trying out for Golden State. Golden State today or something. Yeah, yeah. So or he's doing uh, not trying out. I, I, that's the wrong. He's in for a workout. Workout. Yeah. And um, in for a workout as they prepare for Game One of the NBA Finals. Well, you still got to work for the future. Yeah. You still got to find pieces around. You know, it's tough to add pieces to my dubs. Uh, you know. At any time, so you got to kind of do it through the draft. They've done it with a couple of really good players, really a couple of really good picks, a couple not so great picks, but a uh, good job by the Warriors, of course, to keep building that talent base around the superstars, just like the Las Vegas Aces have done. How about that segue, Willie? Whew. Big, big victory again last night for the Aces national television. The team is awesome. We're going to get into a lot more of the uh, of what the Aces have done this opening month. Uh, later on in the program, but right off the top, some breaking news: award season uh, as the month comes, as the calendar turns to June. Mm. Player of the month, coach of the month announced today in the WNBA. Coach of the month, no surprise, Becky Hammond, Las Vegas Aces, of course, gets that title. Her first month on the job, she wins coach of the month and Asia Wilson, player of the month. Western Conference Player of the Month for Asia. Uh, Alyssa Thomas got Eastern Conference, and they'll meet tomorrow at uh, MUA, Michelob Ultra Arena, okay. uh, for a second game in three nights. So top two players in each anybody, conference for the first month. Anybody else call it that? I thought... Do you take the, you take the Haas to the Mua? I, I was didn't Steve call it that last I week? I think he was trying to make that happen. When he, I was sitting... Trying to make fetch a thing. When... Oh man, don't do fetch. I tried to explain that it's makeup artist. Uh oh, yeah. so 
I was courtside last week for one of the shows, and 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 he said Willie's out at the. So I figured I would just carry on the tradition in his absence. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Asia. Three of the four Western Conference Players of the Week in April were on the Las Vegas Aces. Asia winning it twice. Jackie Young, a front runner for Most Improved Player of the League. Um, she won it one week, so no shocker with with the awards after the first month. Ace is doing well, and we'll get more into in depth about them, about last night's game, the shenanigans at the arena, and uh, yeah, their hot start nine and one. There you go, good stuff there. And uh, like I said, we'll get into them. The championship contending, I would say, championship or bust for this Aces team, and we'll see how that could play out uh, the rest of the season. Uh, we'll get into some more hockey later on in the show, too, because I think last night a lot of people who maybe had not watched a whole lot of hockey maybe tuned in, and they were like, yeah, this is not hockey that I am used to. That was fun. Do you enjoy- I love that kind of hockey. Well, it was, it was almost the same, and for those that didn't see the last year's Edmonton-Calgary game one was almost the exact same game. Uh, Colorado goes up you know, 7-3. They're up a f- you know, touchdown to a field goal, and then uh, three straight goals for Edmonton to get back in the game. That top line that they have – is so good, but what it also does, and yeah, the top line is incredibly productive, and they're they're so dangerous. But what it does, I I think, and I you know I've heard some players talk about this, so I'll, I'll say I don't know because I don't play hockey. But it, it, from what the sounds of it is that when those guys, when those three guys are out on the ice, there's so much attention, there's so much focus of trying to stop them that that does open up the other three lines because right. you kind of take your breath, like, okay, we got through, okay. McDavid was on the ice for 38 seconds and didn't score. Thank good. Oh no, wait, this guy's gonna come yeah. get us too. Uh, so, so I think that's what that that's really what having that explosive. I know they were broken up for a while. They had they had them kind of separated a little bit and try to get some firepower along all lines. But I think this helps all the lines by just having so much attention on that top line. And you know they were g- great, not good enough because Colorado was awesome last night. And what makes things dangerous for game two is now Colorado goaltender Darcy Kemper is injured and yeah. his availability is in question. So, you know, and, and this is this is both teams really, I think this is their style of a play. And to be quite honest, I mean, Edmonton is used to rolling those four lines, just like you said, because of that top line. And I think this could... Obviously, the injury plays into Edmonton's hands, but I think the way the game one played out, because they're going to be able to continue to play that way. I don't know if Colorado sustains that. They because you see, you either see them play up tempo, you see them play heavy. Um, they they definitely have the forwards. Obviously, they have the talent and the speed. I just think that right now, um, just the way that Edmonton didn't go away. You know, how how about puck line better sweating it out last night? <laughs> Seven to six. Needed that empty netter. Empty netter with twenty three seconds left, and boom! I was, I had it on while I was watching, while I was sitting courtside at the Aces game, and I said, and I even tweeted it. Puckline betters are sweating, and sure enough, they cashed in. Yeah, and that was after leading seven three. You needed kind of that late empty netter. Yeah, uh, and it was a not a traditional empty netter either. Kind of got a steal around uh, center ice yeah. and, and flicked it down the ice yep. and and put it in there. So uh, fun, fun hockey. There's a game tonight that I think people will be very interested around here uh, in Las Vegas. We'll get into that as we continue. But up next, Steve would not let me talk about the greatest story in the history of sports yesterday. We're doing it next with Justin Watkins. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. 
It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Back here, Cofield and Company. Our gracious, gracious host, Justin Watkins, sits down with us to discuss, I mean, always legal issues from, from Battle but the greatest story in the history of sports, Justin. First of all, how you doing, sir? Doing great. Greatest greatest story in sports with a both Las Vegas and Padres connection. That is true. That is very true. So, uh, so you have my attention. Yeah. So and for and by the way, there are one of the reasons I love this story, there's updates every minute. We just got Jeff Wilson Jr who is the focus of the controversy because he was the one placed on the injured list who wasn't on the injured list. He was just out. He just spoke about this. So we'll see, we'll see if we can get what he had to say. Apparently he thanked Jock Peterson for taking one for the team uh, as, as far as being his owner. I, I first, like you are a fantasy guy, as am I. So I, I first want to talk the fantasy aspect of this before we talk some legal issues that could could be potentially stemming from it. But just from a from a fantasy perspective, have you heard the arguments from both sides, and are you willing to decide who's in the right or who's in the wrong here? Well, I'm I'm not willing to take a side. I've 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 watched and heard all the arguments of, of each okay. side and about the IR rules and the manipulation of the rosters. But you know, I I mean, now all of a sudden I got to hear from Mike Trout. He's the commissioner. <laughs> well, I mean, Mike Trout did speak today. Okay, I haven't heard Mike Trout's uh, well, side of the story, is, but I need to hear it. He was fantastic. He's essentially saying, look, uh, I I might not be commissioner anymore. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Wait, that's not what I I thought he said. He, he said he was unsure he may come back because all the commissioners he knows get booed. That's true. He did so. say that. <laughs> he said everybody gets booed as a commissioner, so yeah. maybe maybe I'll be a part of that. Um, so essentially, just to break it down for those that haven't followed, I if, first of all, if you're not following the story, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is all I t- this is all I do all day. Find updates, read them. Uh, Tommy Pham walked up on Jock Peterson in the outfield during batting practice and slapped him. It was very weird. It was very bizarre. Then we heard during the game it was over a fantasy football dispute. Of course, my ears were perked. Like, okay, let's go. And I, I actually tweeted out, we need the details. Please don't just say, hey, it was a fantasy football dispute. Just don't say that. We need details. The first, the very first thing I heard in, in the order was the okay. So he slapped him in the outfield. It was over something disrespectful said in the no, group no, no. chat, and no, no, no. then it was over no, the fantasy no. the, football. During the game, they said it was a fantasy fantasy football dispute. That was during the game. What is actually? Oh, I, I everything game, I read was before the game. Yeah, after the game, uh, <laughs> Jock Peterson basically laid it out, and he goes, "Hey, look, here's what happened. I had a player that was out. I put him on IR. They said it wasn't allowed." He said, he said, you know, it was a whole thing. I sent a screenshot of the rules. I was like, here's the rule. It says if they're out or on IR, you can put them on IR. I just followed the rules. Tommy Pham then said, whoa, hold on. It was more than that. Uh, I'll also add that later in the season, Tommy Pham allegedly did the same thing that Jock Peterson did, took advantage of the same rule, and then Jock Peterson was like, whoa, bro. Whoa, that was the same rule that you accused me of breaking. Now Tommy Pham's doing the same thing. Then Tommy Pham leaves the league. Tommy Pham says, well, there's more to it than that. He also sent disrespectful text messages. First of all, Justin, disrespectful text messages, that's part of fantasy football, right? Yeah, I don't know why you want to be in a league and only get respectful text messages. <laughs> right. but you know what the the part I love about this whole story is basically what was going on in the fantasy world 
happened to actually go on in the real world in that game when San Francisco tried to bring in one of their pitchers who they failed to put on their lineup card. <laughs> so true. And the Reds called him out on it and they couldn't put him in. It's so true. I wonder what it's, I wonder what Tommy Pham thought of that. <laughs> like, it's so good. It's it's so good. There's so many there's so many great aspects to this. Uh, first of all, don't get violent. Don't slap people. Take it. Or you got or, to. No. I mean, but, if Adam and I, I mean, we could be slapping each other and and other people with the group with one of the group uh, oh, group yeah. chats that we're in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me, 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 and somebody else from the station yesterday were in, in a little spat on a group text. Nobody's slapping anybody. Uh, but I think the ultimate result of this, Justin, no. If you're in a league, I shouldn't say this because I kind of was guilty of this, but you can't just leave a league. Well, let's take a step back about not just slapping somebody. (laughs) Fam told him that the next time he saw him, he was going to slap him. Yeah. And so there was legally insignificant, (laughs) legally insignificant. But from my entertainment perspective, I love it. Uh, You know, I mean, I think. The court of public opinion is on Peterson's side, yeah, and understandably so. And and the way in which he's handling himself during these interviews just makes him super likable in this whole situation. Hold, but, hold on, Justin, I've actually I've heard people that just don't like the they don't like the soft quote unquote aspect of him, and the, yeah. they're actually they're actually kind of they're annoyed by him and their team fam because they're like. Hey, don't be a, you know, yeah. I, I won't use the word, right. but yeah. don't yeah. be that. And so I, I'm totally Team Peterson because I believe he laid out the rules, said here's the screenshot of the rules, this is the rules, he didn't follow. So, like, I'm on his side for that. I'm gonna tell the you attitude who, thing's all different. I'm going to tell you whose side I'm on, and I'm most offended by, I'm most offended in this whole story for this one person. Adam, you should know exactly which person I'm offended for. It's the weightlifter that was under the Padres <laughs> okay, logo. I mean, who knows? He might have been on his seventh set of whatever he was doing, squats or whatever, and he failed because he was just hitting fatigue. I feel for the weightlifter in the in the meme. Justin, you as a Padres fan, were you offended by the meme? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I mean, I'm not offended by any part of this story. I just, you know, we always, you know, want – this transparency and this honesty from our athletes and most of the time when they give it to us we blow them up about it sure but this is that rare situation in which they're letting us in on this world and it is fantastic i love every aspect of it i like that it's you know there's 10 grand in play but then another 10 grand if you were the last place guy sure and so i mean Fam left the league in the middle. Does he owe ten grand? He Did should. he forfeit the rest of his games? I he, think he owes another ten grand. He should. And he's like, "Don't play with my money." Well, you're the one playing with everybody's money by leaving the league, bro. Uh, <laughs> you better pay up. Uh, there, as we said, there. God, there are so many aspects to this. I, I actually, I will say. For no other reason, Jock Peterson is the hero because if he didn't do what he did after that game and lay out exactly the scenario that happened in the fantasy league, I think the story just would have been, ah, there was some fantasy football dispute. So I'm I'm glad that he gave us all the details that he gave us. I am forever grateful to Jock Peterson for that. Uh, I will start with this, Justin. First of all, any legal ramifications for Tommy Pham just walking up and slapping a man in the middle of a, a baseball stadium? For sure. Yeah. And I would argue that this, uh, that he has legal action well outside the, the sort of rules of the CBA. And this wouldn't have to be, this could be handled in a civil court. Um, you know, these, what happened out there isn't an inherent risk in the game. 
it's not within like the four corners of of any sort of agreement that they sign in order to play the game. And so, yeah, I think Peterson could could sue him. And you know what? I mean, I think he committed a crime too. In all honesty, I, why he hasn't, or maybe did he, or did they say that there was an investigation on simple assault? I can't, I can't recall. I thought that. Well, but, I think the, the the question that I would ask on that, and and I I always get confused on this, but would he have to go report it, or would that be something that the police would just open up just by seeing it? Well, they could open it up by seeing it, and they, pro- you know, in in a lot of situations, you would see it because it was so high profile. They would at least say, "Hey, we are investigating this issue," and then by investigating it, they go talk to Peterson and say, "Hey, you want to press charges on this? <laughs> right. uh, are you going to cooperate as a witness?" And he's like, "No, nah, it's fine, right?" Like because <laughs> he's soft. <laughs> I- and then they just say, "Okay, we've." You know, they don't have a press conference that says we've concluded the investigation. They just sort of let it die on the vine. This is this is obviously just me thinking about these things, <laughs> like how they work out. But would it be a would it be legally allowable for Jock Peterson to say, "Hey, man, he never paid for the fantasy league," so or I guess he could just reach out to him. I don't know if it's illegal to do that and be like, "Hey, pay your dues," and I'm not going to press charges. But if you don't, I will. No, that's that is. Oh, you're you're. It's a great question. You're walking a very fine line, right? You cannot extort anybody for any reason, okay? Meaning you can't demand payment in order to forego something that you even have a right to do, right? He right. has a right to press charges, but he can't extort somebody for that. Now, he believes, and he probably does, have a viable legal claim to those dues. Because he dropped out and last place owed 10 grand. So can he say, hey, man, let's put this all to bed. I'll make sure that I don't, you know, I'm not going to press charges and you pay up in the league and we, you know, we quash all our legal claims. Yes, he could do that. You just got to be careful about the way you word it. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was going to get at. Like the, the wording is important, right? Because there could be, you, as you said, you could be crossing a line. Like you can't just say... Yeah, would you would you recommend uh, this? Uh, this might be a weird question. Would you recommend having somebody, if, if they were in a situation like this, kind of seek the counsel of an attorney to help them write this up? As ridiculous as it sounds, yeah. so that you're careful about your wording because you you could word it wrong and then put yourself in legal jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, oh, 100 percent. Like if you're trying, if if that was your ultimate goal was to get the ten grand, put this all to bed, and you know not uh, have to move forward with any sort of criminal action. You would you would have two attorneys talk about it, right? You would have your attorney and their attorney, and they would have the conversation that you and I are having in their own sort of code way, right? Nobody saying the wrong words, but everybody knowing what they're saying, and then they'd write it up just right. And and I, I take it from this, and I know we've talked about this before, but I, I do always forget. Like you can. You can bring legal action for a fantasy league, even though it's technically gambling and that wouldn't be allowed? Yes. Yes, you can, for sure. Because aren't you technically violating the law by participating in a fantasy league, especially a high-stakes one? Right. So, well, it depends on the particular laws of the state. So some states will allow you to pursue a breach of contract or an unjust enrichment claim, even if the contract that you attempted to enter into violated law. So Mm -hmm. it it depends on the state here. It wouldn't even violate law, but, um, 
but in most circumstances, most states, they kind of allow this sort of friendly wager sort of situation. But here's the thing. If you weren't suing for breach of contract, you have other viable claims in the alternative that basically say it's unfair if he gets to keep 10 grand. Um, he, our contract is not enforceable, but we were all operating under an understanding that he was going to give 10 grand and he didn't do it. And therefore he should not, you know, and we act on his promise. This is what's called an unjust enrichment claim. He is $10,000 richer than he should be because <laughs> we relied on what he said he was going to do, but then didn't do. It's not a contract. It's just detrimental reliance. And is there any claim against Mike Trout for just being a bad commissioner that allowed this to happen? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't know where the uh, what level and what expert. Maybe you you know what? I just thought of something. You should hold yourself out as a fantasy league rules expert. Yes. So that, you know, we can call call you in on these types of cases and say, you know, you've been in 700 leagues <laughs> yeah. in your, you know, 15 years of doing fantasy or 20 years of doing fantasy. Um, what is the role of the commissioner? When are they supposed to step in? How are they supposed to interpret the rules generally? And then in this instance, what should the rule interpretation have been and what action should have been taken? You could have said all these things like, you know, the money's paid up front. And we don't, can't chase the money. You know, you make sure you review the rules with the committee beforehand. You do all this cool stuff. And that would be great. Yeah, there, there you sure. go. Uh, we have other legal issues to get into. I will uh, I will also point out, I, I just joined a league. I finally got in, got in yesterday. It's a, uh, a dynasty where you basically keep your whole roster. The rule list is at least 40 pages long, Justin. It's That's right nuts. up your alley. I love You're it. Gonna, yeah, you can outrule anybody. But it's going to take a while. A it's going to take yes. a while to learn them all. That's the problem. It's, gonna, well, it's then, crazy. And by the time you're five years in there, that rule list will be 80 pages. It will be. You're right. Well, we have other legal issues to get into. Uh, Justin Watkins here at the BBBC, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 5709000. We'll be back. Justin Watkins with more. Deshaun Watson, John Gruden, after this. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. I believe that is a possibility. I mean, again, we don't know when the investigation will wrap up. It's going to be referred to a jointly appointed discipline officer uh, by the NFL and the NFLPA. We don't know how long she's going to take with it because it's the first time this process has worked this way. So, yes, there is absolutely a potential scenario in which the season opens with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback for the Browns and this situation still unresolved. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Back here, Battleborn Broadcast Center, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez with Justin Watkins. And uh, let's start there, Justin. Deshaun Watson, another accuser, comes forward yesterday after watching the real sports piece. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, uh, but I, I was really... It, it's interesting when you hear people talk about things and they bring up points that are kind of obvious, but you also are like, yeah, that's a good point. And then you kind of get swayed a little bit. And I guess that's what a lot of the legal profession is, right? Just swaying people with arguments. Um, I thought Deshaun Watson's attorney made some good points and things that I, you know, were clear, but kind of came up. Um, she said, you know, this is not a case of one versus 22 or now 23. It's a case of one versus one. It's one lawyer who has solicited all these clients 
And by the way, several lawyers turned down these cases because they didn't think there was anything there. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point that I never really thought of. All of a sudden, I was like, yeah, you know what? Where did this come from? So, I mean, those are interesting cases that are made. But about that claim right up top, what would you immediately think when you heard that? No, yeah, I've, I've watched the Real Sports um, story on it, and I, I agree with you. I mean, here's the thing from, from my perspective. There are – there is – a lot of detailed evidence that may come out in this collection of civil cases that would be relevant to the NFL at some point in the future that they are not in possession of now, and there's no way they're getting them on their own outside of this civil claim. And so the question is, you know, they sort of pose in that is, can we really let him play without having resolution to this? And my answer would be, from my perspective is has a crime has a crime or violent more specifically a violent crime been committed or alleged to be committed the answer is no houston police have said that there is not a crime that they're going to move forward with the grand jury has said no crime two different grand juries we should we should point out too right so if I'm the NFL, I say, if I'm going to weigh in on this and do any punishment, it's going to be based on a civil matter. And, and if, if I'm going to be the head of an organization in, in that way, that bar of when I choose to punish based on a civil matter has got to be so ridiculously high. Uh-huh. And so I think... I think it's totally appropriate under the circumstances of this case to allow him to play until you have the opportunity to have all the facts in front of you. Because to suspend him now when we are halfway through discovery on a civil claim and that two grand juries have chosen to not indict and the uh, prosecutor has chosen not to move forward and all have claimed that no crime has been committed, and to levy a punishment just because you want to do it before he plays, I think is, I think it's it's a bad idea. I think it's bad. Pre- it's terrible precedent. Uh, it's really flimsy uh, at best. And so, and, and why would you want to? Why would you want to issue a punishment that may be unfit, one way or the other, too light, too lenient, or too harsh, until you have as much evidence as you possibly can, which we're probably a year away from from all that discovery coming coming out and being available. So, yeah, maybe he plays a year without a punishment, uh, and then you have all the facts in front of you to levy an appropriate punishment, if one's deserved at all. And obviously we talk about this case as, you know, 22 accusers now, 23, I guess we should we should say. One came forward after the Real Sports piece and said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't like how he's being portrayed in, in a positive light, and so I'm going to come forward also and add my name to the claim. So it's 23 cases. Like, how— if one or two or three or four, even five, six, how many ever kind of fall apart? How much relevance does that have to the rest of them? Can they just drop them off very easily? Because one of the other things they talked about was, hey, some of these women were hitting them up for dates after this happened. Like, if that's true, I'm sure that those cases would probably be like, okay, you know, we, you know, we don't, we can't. State of mind is a tough thing to judge, especially after trauma. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want to get into that. But if some of them kind of fall apart does that have relevance to the other cases i think it is 
an in, interesting ethical dilemma for the attorney. Um, and I'll say that it, it is typically why you won't see one attorney represent the entirety right. of a claim, right? They might have a dozen or two dozen or three dozen, but they're not, they don't have a hundred percent. You know, they have 50% or 40% of all the claimants, but to have a hundred percent of the claimants gives me reason to pause and, and, and wonder what's going on here because as those things start coming out and other women coming forward, do they always all go to him or are other attorneys rejecting this after they get to the bottom of, of some of the facts? That's number one. Not that that means that they're telling the truth or telling lies. It, it doesn't. Um, but it's relevant to me outside of the courtroom. Now, to answer your question specifically, to the evidence that will be presented to the jury, it makes no difference. Any cases that are dropped along the way, they're not going to have any knowledge of right. because it's irrelevant to whether or not Deshaun Watson sexually assaulted that specific person. Okay. But ethically, what happens when Busby comes into some evidence that is harmful to that one's case, um, but that woman still wants to pursue it, does not agree that they should drop the case, wants to move forward, but it would be harmful to the efforts of the collective. Huh. Well, I would say that you're in an ethical bind yeah. and you cannot represent either in that situation. You're stuck. You have to. You have to leave both, unless there has been some written consent otherwise. So, you know, I mean, as the real sports piece po pointed out, there were seven other women who, as they termed it, were begging for dates with him after the alleged assault. If that's true, that's harmful to the collective. Maybe not in front of the jury, but it's harmful in the eyes of public opinion and affects the settlement value potentially negotiating leverage of those others and you know i think you're stuck ethically the man there's there's a lot i mean we've been doing this case for like two years now and there's even more layers to peel back we'll get into that uh later on i did want to get into a little bit of the gruden because i was in the courtroom uh last week uh for those that have missed the discussion of this the first step of the Gruden lawsuit against the NFL, and the lawsuit is for not not that the fact that he necessarily got fired, but the fact that the NFL intentionally interfered with his contract with the Raiders. There's a couple layers to this in terms of, hey, like arbitration would have governed it if it was a contract between him and the Raiders, but because he had already got a settlement agreement, they argued that no longer applied. He was no longer an employee of the Raiders, so he could move forward in court, and the judge agreed it stayed in court instead of going to arbitration, which is a big loss for the NFL, but they have appealed. Can they go all the way to the Supreme Court with this? They've done that before. And is there any limit? Like, if your if your claim is deemed like ridiculous, let's just say, I know that's not a legal term, but like, can you just keep appealing anyway? Or is there a point where like, hey man, this is not going to work? Well, you 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 only have a certain number of appeal rights, certain number of bites at an apple for one particular issue at a time, and some of those issues have a right to be appealed immediately. And some issues only have a right to be appealed if it goes the distance and it proves to have been harmful. So for instance, if a, if a court rules that an expert that you've retained um, 
you know, shouldn't be permitted to testify. Well, you don't get to immediately go appeal that to the intermediate court or the Supreme Court. You wait until the jury trial happens. And then if you lost, you then can go appeal. But if you've won, then the appeal would be moot. Right. So there are. But in an instance of whether or not this is the proper venue, your appeal rights are immediate. So I and, and I read the whole transcript of the hearing. I think I think that this this rule is going to be overturned on appeal. Really? Um, it's really close. And the only reason it's close is because Gruden and the Raiders were very smart. They had an employment agreement that included an arbitration clause. And when they, quote unquote, settled, they entered into a settlement agreement that we don't know the terms of. But to quote the attorney, you know. It's highly confidential, but we will certainly say, or it most certainly did not include a mandatory arbitration clause, which to me means it was intentional. They they made sure they took that out so that Gruden would have a better chance of suing the NFL outside of arbitration. But from my perspective, the claim that arises against the NFL and Goodell is what led to the termination and the creation of the settlement agreement. Therefore, the acts are governed by the employment agreement, not the settlement agreement. And therefore, I think the arbitration clause rules the day. The court did not like that the potential arbitrator for the claim would be Goodell. Huh. Um, but as the NFL lawyers pointed out in instances in the past in which it would be improper for Goodell to be the arbitrator because he had a personal hand in it, he designated somebody else. And if you don't, if he didn't designate somebody else, the proper forum for challenging that is in arbitration, not in state court. So um, I believe there will be an appeal filed. I do believe it will be heard. And, you know, only 10% of, rulings are overturned on appeal so i'm putting myself out there a little bit and when i say i think this gets overturned justin Watkins, dream crusher uh, only have about 30 seconds we're getting out of here so uh, you're gonna say we're not going to have the dream of discovery in this case that we all want oh discovery will happen even if it even if the yeah in arbitration <laughs> but we won't we won't learn it won't be in court you're not gonna see it anyway <sighs> if it goes if it moves forward in state court there's enough like confidential stuff on like employment arrangements and compensation and the parties will agree that all discovery remains confidential and, ah. and, and unless it comes to trial. Um, and then if it were to go to trial, sure. Then, you know, some of the stuff that they discovered would come to light, but just think about the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial, right? Huh. We only saw a glimmer of all the stuff they had back and forth on each yeah. other. And clearly there was, dozens and dozens of motions pre-trial to exclude certain bits and pieces of evidence based on all kinds of different evidentiary rules. So just because it's discoverable doesn't mean it's admissible. Um, and so what the public gets to see as a matter of public record at the time of trial is a small fraction of what discovery had shown. Um, it's just the most relevant admissible portions of it. Really ruining my day, Justin. <laughs> well, well <laughs> who knows i was wrong last time when i made a bold prediction right. on here so well, how, yeah how should people get in touch with you and who should get in touch with you you know everybody should get in touch with me you know i'm, I'm the native disputes. son 
Yes. The native son. We're Battleborn, right? Give us a call. You know the numbers. What is it? Five seven oh nine thousand. There it is. <laughs> sure. Yes, five seven oh nine thousand. Call of Justin. Battleborn Injury Lawyers, we really thank you, sir, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. There you go. Great stuff from Justin Watkins. As always, come back. The Aces, the hottest team in all of sports. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. This traffic report is brought to you by Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. We played the first half, and I walked out, and I was just like, don't say anything, don't say anything. And then I locked eyes with them, and I was like, screw it. I went right up to them, I jacked them up, gave them a big hug. I was like, man, you're a dog. I love you. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he was like, yeah. So we can make it. He's not going to forget that. <laughs> He's not. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here. That is the, the I was going to say voice. I was trying to figure out. Not the voice. It's the, the sounds of Kelsey Plum after the game, talking about her interaction with Tom Brady, who was at the Aces game last night. Watched the Aces win another one, 9-1. and one. Best start in WNBA coaching history for the first 10 games for Becky Hammond. She wins Coach of the Month, Age Wilson, Western Conference, Player of the Month. The whole team is clicking. Kelsey Plum has just been phenomenal. That move last night where she came off a screen, went to drive to the basket, went to dribble, but then stopped the dribble in the middle, pulled up and hit a three. Yeah. Good Lord. What a move. Uh, and she's got that dog mentality, Willie. They're barking after the game. It's great. It's her second time barking. Okay. Uh, there was a press conference prior to that where I asked her a question, and she says, uh, "And that's that's you know that's that's what you're gonna get me for because I'm a dog." Woo. And uh, so our our good friend Robbie from one of the local TV stations. Now every if he's there, the press he goes ask Kelsey a question because there was a Zoom where where I I was on and I asked her something. And she goes, I know I should probably mute this, but blah, blah, blah. And she dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> so so he, so now he's like, okay, that's, that's two, of the, two of the post-game pressers. And I, there might have been through six games that I got her fired up. And now we got her barking at Tom Brady. And she does have that dog mentality. And, you know, there's a good chance that there's a local gym that has dog mentality that she could be wearing that apparel. There you go. I'm just saying. Dog, D-A-W-G, though. That's it? There you go. Good stuff. Uh, the Aces, I, I tweeted this out last night, um, and I, I firmly believe it. Like, yes, they're the best team in the league. There's no question right now. Long way to go. Uh, but they've been the best team in the league before and haven't won, so we'll see how that plays out. But they, they're playing differently right now. But it's not that they're the best team. They're the most fun team to watch right now, too. They're just playing at a very entertaining brand of basketball. They are, and Becky, even, Becky Hammond even admitted that last night. She said, she said, if anything, I sit back. Sometimes I catch myself – on you know when she's coaching, she's and I have to catch myself and get back into coach's mindset because I'm, I'm I have fun watching them. They're so, they're so much fun to watch. The problem is how long can they sustain what they're doing without a contributions from the bench? Because the bench has has you know has realistically done nothing. Now part of that is on the you know in how Becky is playing her starters. I mean a lot of minutes. They're averaging a lot of minutes and they have some capable bodies. They have some veterans. They got Kia Stokes. They got Sid Colson. You know, they got some youngsters and Kirsten Bell, Asia Shepard. 
it's more so they need to get in the games. They need to get some playing time. I, I noticed last night. I, I I looked at my colleague that was with me. You know, and I looked at her and I said, "Wow, starters." I mean, right in the midway through the first quarter, she had two. She had two reserves in, so it looked like maybe she was going to get that going. But the bench has to start performing in order for them to sustain this through the entire season. Yeah, I actually. I mean, I think to your point, I think they'll be fine if there's no injuries. Like, I think their bench is good enough to play minutes, to give them minutes, to fill in for foul trouble, to give them a rest. They'll be okay in that regard. But if somebody goes down, that's when you have a very a very real concern with this team. But for right now, they're clicking. And, God, we say this about a lot of the sports here. Go go to a game. Go yeah, watch a you, game. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's electric out there. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, for a uh, – for last night, for for a Tuesday, it was loud. It was energetic. It was fun. It was Throwback Tuesday. So there was like like some like Coolio was the halftime entertainment. Yeah, more fun on the way, Willie. So much more to get into. A couple of great guests, some NBA, some NHL, football next.